Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Outside of any gangs back in that time around 91, were there any particular people that were just heavy hitters that someone should be afraid of back then? Well, me. You were the guy. Yeah. Did you have a warrant for your arrest for the murder of William Miller, who was the gas station attendant? But you're wrong. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice. A crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. The investigation into Bill Little's murder was riddled with them. Bloomington was a small town, and people began talking about what happened at the Clark Station immediately. Bill was killed because of a drug debt, or a gambling debt, or maybe it was because he was going to snitch on the people responsible for a string of robberies, or maybe some guy people just didn't like did it. It's amazing as I'm reading through all of the police reports and listening to interviews how many people begin a conversation with what they know, and then as time goes on, what they know morphs into what they heard. No one seems to actually know anything. And this rumor mill still exists today. I've had several people either reach out to me directly or through other sources to tell me that they might have some critical information but they're afraid that if they talk, they'll be killed. They're afraid of a violent group or gang called the Northsiders. Tammy, tell you what I wanted to talk to you about? Yeah, about the Northsiders. Yes. Gay prison gang. (laughs) What did you call them? The gay prison gang. That's Drew, and he spent his fair share of time in Illinois prisons, and in his opinion, quote, the Northsiders ain't shit. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From Something Else, The Marshall Project, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have to admit, when I first started getting these messages about the Northsiders keeping everyone quiet, I was a little intimidated. It seemed like this was a pretty tough group of dudes, at least back in the 90s. 
But as it turns out, according to Drew, the Northsiders weren't even out on the streets of Bloomington in 1991 when Bill was killed. Northsiders really ain't ain't in, ain't around no more because they uh, all the all the other prison gangs and everybody made them dissolve their thing and anybody who else that wanted to be in it flip over to Gaylords or to other Gaylords or biker. You know, as long as they didn't do nothing gay in the club, they could be a biker. But Gay, Gaylords was like that off branch for Latin Kings. The gay, so Gaylords was an actual actual name, or is that just the name you call them? No, that's the name Gaylords. It's a. It used to be as a Chicago gang that used to be like guys against Latin, you know, whatever. And then they had a truce back in like the nineties, eighties, and nineties. And now the Gaylords is like like their support club or whatever. They're all under right under the five now, which is five stars. So. What exactly was that back in ninety one? What was the the Northsiders? It was like a like a white supremacist organization that was in all the joints, the max joints, and everything. For like when white guys came in, you didn't have no affiliation or nothing like that would protect you. But what happened was they wasn't protecting them. They was doing all kinds, of, you know, preying on them, and they was just preying on each other members, and it was just stupid because you know. One time when I got to Stateville, I'm thinking guys in there getting raped. You know, I'm just like, what the hell? I see him out the yard running security for him. He's like, yeah, I got initiated. I was like, damn, yeah, you get initiated like that, dude? Then then I think it was uh, 93 or 94, they tried to bring Northsiders out to be a street gang. Yeah, that lasted a good two months. In 91, when, when Bill Little was killed, were the Northsiders even, were, were they still in the prison or were they on the streets at all back then? Yeah, they were still in the prison. They wasn't on the street. There was just a prison gang. And then, uh, man, I think it was like 93 or 94 is when some, some people came out and tried to bring it like a street, like a street gang, but they got shut down quick. So I know they tried to do it here in Bloomington Normal and that shit got shut down like really, really quick. This is the problem when it takes eight years for police to make an arrest in a case. By the time 1999 rolled around, everyone's memories had been corrupted. If Drew is correct, and he seems to be the guy that would know, then the Northsiders gang didn't hit the streets of Bloomington until a couple of years after Bill was murdered. But what we have to keep in mind is that just because certain men didn't have a name or a gang to affiliate themselves with in 1991, doesn't mean that they weren't dangerous. Today, I want to stay focused on the shifting memories of the players in this case. We already know that over the years, Danny Martinez's story of witnessing the man leaving the station that night has changed drastically, as did Carlos Luna's. But what about Danny Hartley? I'm going to play for you about five minutes of Danny's 1999 police interview. You heard a little bit of this back in episode one. But today, pay close attention to the details that he provides. Who was with him, his sequence of events, and the times. You're going to hear that some of the names were redacted out of this recording. Through other reports and context, I can tell you that the group Danny tells officers Barkas and Katz that he was hanging out with that night was a girl named Sean, a guy named Derek, and a guy named Dion Rhodes. We're going to hear from Dion in just a bit. 
But here's Danny in 1999. Now, let's go back to the day he was shot, March 31st, which was Easter Sunday. Yes. Were you at that station that day? Yes, I was. And could you tell me about what time you were at that station? Time that I'm positive of is about 7, 7.30. And how long did you stay? Not long. A few minutes. And I was about 10 to late to Why were you at the station? I was there every day to help work. We were getting plans to go out to meet some girls after work. Did you have plans for that night? Yes, we did. And so you stayed there to about 8, no after 8, somewhere around there? About 5 to 8. Okay. A little before 8. All right. And you left, or where did you go? I went to my mom's. Now, was there anybody else with you at the station? Yeah, Sean, I can't remember her last name. And now, those four people were there before you left to go get ready for your date? They left with me and came with me, yes. So then you left with these four people. How did you get to the station? My Honda Civic. What color is it? Silver or gray. Now, when you when you parked your Civic, your Honda Civic at the station, where did you park? If you're on Empire Street looking directly at the gas station, it was right to the right of the boarded up windows. Then a car ran through a week before that. So it would be closer to the fence, because I believe there was yes, a fence that went along the east side and there. Also a little shed and two major gas pumps or tank pumps. Okay, so it was on the east side of the building. Yes. In a parking area or just? Just pulled in out of everybody's way so the other people would become more customers. Because I wasn't really a customer. Sure. Now, while you were there, did you see anybody come in? Not that I remember. There might have been one or two people, but I can't really recall. You don't recall any anybody driving or a motorcycle or a truck or anything like that. You just think no, there, might, there might have been there some might people. Somebody there. You just don't recall. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, sir. I was there so much. You know, I mean, so many people came and go out there. And then <coughs> I guess somebody came in or not. Now, while you were there, did you purchase anything? I could have. What would you have purchased if you purchased anything? Um, Twelve hundred. What is it, 20 ounce bottle of soda, candy bar, probably pack of cigarettes, small girls. You would never, you wouldn't have purchased any gas. No. You wouldn't have purchased any big dollar items or anything like that. It would just be a couple bucks here and there. Yeah, at just a few bucks. Okay. No more than five, probably. Did you have any conversation with Bill? Yeah. What did you guys talk about? I told him I was going to go home and take a shower so he'd get ready to go out. And he told me not to go to stay there until he was done working and help him close and then we'd go take a shower. He didn't want me to leave. He didn't want me to leave at all. Did you get a feeling why or anything? No. Like he never asked me not to, you know, not to leave and I was going to leave to go somewhere for that money. And I left anyways. So, you, so now you leave. Do you take Dion and the other two people to their house? Did they go back to your house? No, they went to my house, to my mother's. Which is what Akron? And then you took your shower? Yes, I did. And you turned around and went back directly back to? I drove to the Locust Street Bridge, went right across the bridge, turned around, went right back to my mom's, grabbed a new shirt, didn't even put it on, and drove back to the gas station. Then why did you change shirts? because it was a little sweatshirt he got from his mom, either for Christmas or his birthday. 
I didn't ask him to wear it, and I was feeling bad, so I went home, took it off, and got me a shirt. And then you went back to the gas station? Yeah, I went back to the gas station. And With the same four people? Yes. Same three people. Three people. There's four. Right, four total, yeah. counting you. Thank you. Um, and you went back, and you parked your car where? I, was, I would have pulled in the parking lot, but uh, the police was there, and they had it taped off. And I couldn't park in the alley right behind the station, so I had to park in R.B. White's employees' parking lot. And then you walk up there? Yes, I did. And what, what if anything, were you told? I see, for sure his name's Ron, little, Bill's dad, and his wife, Amy. And I asked them where Bill was, and they told me he was dead. I told them they were lying to me, and I told them where he is, and they told me he was dead again. I had to go ask the officer um, where the gas station attendant was because I thought his dad was lying to me. It was a dirty joke. He was playing on me that night. So after that, then what did you do? I walked back to my car with Dion, Sean, and Derek, and I punched my car from the front to the back of it, and I got in it, and I drove it to my mom's. Crying, didn't stop at a gas station. Stopped at one. I'm married to my mother's. After you got to your mother's, did you go anyplace else? Yes, I went to my father's. That local real estate. Did you drive all those people to your father's too? Then yes, I did. Why did you leave your mom to go to your father's? To let my dad know. So in '99, Danny recalls to the police that he. Dion, Sean, and Derek all went to the Clark station between 7 and 7.30. They only stayed a few minutes and left before 8 o'clock. Danny says that he then went to his mom's house, took a shower, and then headed back to the station. He made it about halfway when he realized that he was wearing one of Bill's shirts. He says that he turned around, went home and changed shirts, and then returned to the station. He says that Dion, Sean, and Derek were with him the entire time. When they got back to the station, Bill was already dead. But here's the problem. That's not quite the same story that he told investigators back in 1991. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the police files, I found a short, handwritten, undated report. It was written by Detective Crow, the original 1991 investigator. The report reads, 
talked with Danny Hartley by phone on the William Little murder and asked Hartley to repeat his story about what he did on the night of the murder of Little. Now, note here that he's referencing a previous interview with Hartley. That report was not included in the FOIA production. We don't have it. Hartley stated he went to the gas station about 7.40 p.m. with a Dion Rhodes. They stayed about 10 minutes talking with Billy. Billy was a close friend of Hartley's, and he visited Billy at the station nearly every night Billy worked. After talking with Billy, he and Rhodes went to Danny's house, and Danny showered and cleaned up, and they went and got a Sean Rathiel. And she rode with them back to the Clark station, and the police were already there. He stated they were driving his mother's Honda. So there are some pretty big differences here. Most notably, the people that were with him. In this early report, Danny says that it was only him and Dion who went to the gas station. They didn't pick Sean up until the second trip back, when Bill was already gone. And there's no mention of Derek at all. Just a quick 10-minute trip to the station with just Danny and Dion. But then, in 1999, he says that all four of them were at the gas station with Bill, including Sean and Derek. And when he spoke with me last week, he said that he had to leave the station that night because he had people waiting in his car. It was only him inside with Bill. Things get even more confusing when you add in Dion Rhodes statements. He was also interviewed in 1999. And this is what he had to say to the investigators. You know, what I'd like to do is basically just tell us in your own words what happened in the 1991 at Clark Oil Station. But if you start, if you don't mind, at the beginning on March 31st, that was Easter Sunday, and maybe tell us who you're with, what what you folks did all day that day. Well, Danny came to my house, uh, picked me up. Uh, we went driving around, went to the lake, hung out, then uh, went back into town. He dropped me off, came back and picked me up. Went out there and I would build. And uh, we stayed there for, uh, I'm not sure about the time, but we stayed there you know, at least an hour, maybe as many as three or four hours. Um, we left to pick up Sean. Uh, we went, picked her up. And you want me to go through detail because there was three people that showed up at the gas station while we was there. One of them on a motorcycle. It seems to be like he got gas. The other two, I don't really remember what they got. Maybe gas. And, uh, you know, Bill was in a pretty good mood. He wanted us to stay. Uh, we had to pick up Sean. We told him we'd be back. You know, we'd hang out after he got off work. Uh, Picked up Sean, came back, and uh, that's, uh, that's, that's what happened. We, uh, we left, uh, we hung out for a while, talking about it. Uh, we drove around a little bit, and uh, Dan dropped me and Sean off. Sean took me in my house. Who took you to your house? Then, so you guys are driving? I believe Danny took me to the house. I'm pretty sure. But he was, he was really upset. 
I think we went to his aunt's house, whose dad, dad's girlfriend. She lived right down the street from my house. Okay, maybe a, a block away. I think we went there, and Daddy was talking to his dad. And he was real upset. You know, he was telling Dad about what happened, and uh, I walked a mile from there. It's only straight down the street. What did he tell his dad happened? The, the, you know, something happened to Bill. The way it looked, it wasn't good. And what everybody was saying at the scene, Bill did. Now, when you guys were driving around, do you remember whose vehicle you were in? Um, I think we was in Bill's El Camino, but uh, I'm not sure. If you weren't in Bill's El Camino, what other kind of vehicle would you have been in? Um, I believe Danny had a Honda at the time. Do you know what color the Honda was by chance? Was it gray or silver? And what about the El Camino? I think it was either light blue or gray. Now, I just want to make sure I understand what took place. You and Danny drove around, won your car coil sometime mid-afternoon to early evening. Yeah, correct. Yeah. You stayed anywhere from an hour to two or three. Yeah. But when we talked a, a little earlier, <clears throat> you said when you left, it was starting to get dark. Yeah, yeah, it was starting to get dark. And then when you came back the second time, it was dark. Yeah. Now, when you came back the second time, were you able to talk to Bill at or what, what did you see when you came back the second time? Well, me, Sean, and Dan started to walk up there. All right. First, it was hard to get to the big scene. The big scene. We finally got a place to park on the road inside the building. And uh, we started to walk up there. And uh, you know right away, you know, when you see that, many cops. Oh, so the police were already there? Yeah, yeah. The police were there. Uh, hell yeah, there was, there was a lot of people there. A lot of people there. I mean, it was a big crime scene. They had to take dogs and everything on there. I mean, you knew something. So you couldn't go back in? No, no. They, uh, uh, they wouldn't let me and Sean in at all. And then, uh, some, I think somebody from Bill's family was there or something. And, uh, they came up, you know, they told them something. I don't know, they, they, they didn't talk to me or Sean. And then Bill came back and he was, or Danny came back and he was in tears. And, uh, somebody told him something. You keep saying Sean. Are you, what's Sean's last name? Now, how do you guys know her? Uh, I've known her for years. I've met her through a, a friend of mine, Chad. No, we Chad. Chad made it when we were school kids. And um, you know, what I'd like to do is focus our attention to uh, the individuals when you were there the first time they came in. On one report, he said someone came in and we got some gas. Uh, on a motorcycle. Can you describe that person to me? How, how about if we, um, being that it's typed on the paper and it's been eight, nine years since 
since you've talked to us. If, if you like, we can tell you what you said on this report and see if you think that's correct. Or if you, I mean, if I'm sure that eight years ago you remember you probably a lot more pressure than it is today about what people look like and what they wore. Yeah, I think it was a little bit more pressure at the time. So okay. It's been a while. Sure, sure. The first person that you remember telling the, uh, Sergeant Bernardini was that a white male, about 30 years of age, medium black hair, with several days growth of a beard, probably around 5'9", 170 pounds, wearing a black leather jacket with zippers, belt, and a flap on the front, boots, blue jeans. Rose stated the aforementioned white male brought, bought cigarettes and was driving a hard Davidson motorcycle, was in the station at approximately about 6.45 p.m. That sounds about right. So the motorcycle guy didn't buy gas. It seems to me like it did. But he might not. He might just came in and bought cigarettes. But I do remember the beard. I remember he had a little bit of a beard. Sorry. Did you have a look at the motorcycle? Uh, yeah, I think I through the window and uh, heard it. Right. And where, and where was it parking and saw? It was up in the front. Front. Okay, so if it's in the front, it's not by any of the pumps. Yeah, he might not have bought it. Okay, you know, that's, that's the whole reason why we're coming. We heard it and we looked out the window and seen it, you know. He might not have bought it. All right. The second person was a white male, 5'10, 160 pounds, short hair, dress pants, driving an unknown vehicle. Rose said this person bought gas and cigarettes approximately at 7 o'clock. That sounds about right. Now, you couldn't tell us about the vehicle, but could you tell me if you recall seeing what, at what pump the vehicle may have been in? You might not be able to, right? No, I don't remember. Okay. Couldn't tell that. I don't remember. The second, or excuse me, the third person you said that came in while you were there, Danny, was a white male, 5'7, 150 pounds. Short blonde hair, blue jeans, driving an unknown vehicle. So this person bought gas and cigarettes approximately seven o'clock also. Yep, that sounds about right. Now again, don't remember where the vehicle was. Don't remember. Okay. Now to backtrack a little bit, could you tell me what you were wearing that day? Uh tennis shoes, sweats, t shirt, I believe they were night tennis shoes. And can you tell what you think about Danny? What was wearing that day? Jeans, t shirts, and shoes. And what about. Oh, no, my shop wasn't there. Now, do you know what kind of tennis shoes Danny wore? I don't remember. I never paid any attention to the truth. Now, you said you thought your tennis shoes might have been Nike. Um, could they have been anything else? It's possible they could have been something else, but I believe it's right. What would they have been? Well, dude, could be the Reeboks. Could be the Reeboks. Let me ask you this. Who's got your tennis shoes that you're wearing that night? The Bloomington Police Department. That's, uh, that's where I took them when, uh, yeah, when they interviewed me. Or I believe they interviewed me that they wanted me to bring the shoes that I had that night, so I brought them in. Well, I'm not sure if they made me take it. I don't think they made me take it off, but they don't think I was wearing it. 
might have been. I think it might have been bring them in and drop them off. You never got your coaches back. No, So, not the same story that Danny told. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit CarShield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at CarShield.com audio. That's CarShield.com audio. Dion's 99 interview more closely resembles Danny's 91 interview at least in the fact that it was only him and Danny at the station that night with Bill. Sean was picked up later, and again, no mention of Derek at all. But where Danny says that the two only stayed for a few minutes, Dion says that they were there for, quote, at least an hour, maybe three or four hours. In 91, Danny says that they arrived at the station at 7.40, but in 99, Dion says that it was getting dark when they left. The sun set that night at 6.19 p.m., It would have been dark, dark by about a quarter after seven. According to Danny, they weren't even there yet at that point. And most definitely not leaving while it was, quote, starting to get dark. And just in case you're not confused enough already, this is what Dion told investigators five weeks after Bill's murder back in 91. Dion stated on March 31st, 1991, he and Hartley went to Lake Bloomington around 11 a.m. and just talked and drove around. Dion said around 1 p.m. he and Hartley returned to Bloomington and rode around town. Dion said at approximately 3 p.m. Hartley picked him up and that they, Dion and Hartley, drove to the Clark Station and visited with Little who was working. Dion stated he and Hartley stayed with Little at the Clark Station until approximately 7 p.m. Dion stated that Little did not want Hartley to leave on that night and that Little asked both of them to stay on at least four occasions. Dion stated Little was in a good mood and wanted to go out after he got off work at 10 p.m. Dion said that while he and Hartley were in the gas station that night, only three individuals came into the station. And then it goes on to describe the three individuals, but you already heard those descriptions in the audio recording. But then it goes back into Dion's memory of the night. Dion stated after he and Hartley left the Clark station, they picked up a Sean Rathiel and a Kim. All four went to 501 West Market Street and dropped off Kim. Dion said he, Hartley, and Rothiel drove around Bloomington until approximately 9 p.m. when they returned to the Clark Station and observed all of the police vehicles. The differences in all of these stories are puzzling to say the least. I can understand getting times wrong, but people? Why does Danny add Derek into the story in 99 when he didn't in 91? And Dion never mentions him at all. Why does Danny say that he was inside the station alone when clearly Dion remembers Bill asking him specifically not to leave on four occasions? Why does Dion recall them picking up a girl named Kim, but Danny never mentions her? 
And why does Kim drop out of Dion's narrative eight years later? And why does Danny say that he went home to take a shower? Dion says they just drove around for a couple hours. None of this makes sense. And if you're starting to think that maybe Danny Hartley should be a suspect, well, you're not alone. The Bloomington PD thought so as well. In fact, in 1994, the Illinois State Police administered a polygraph test to Danny. Hartley answered no to all four relevant questions. Did you shoot Billy Little at the Clark Oil Station on Empire in Bloomington? Did you shoot Billy Little at the Clark Oil Station? Did you help or plan with anyone to rob that Clark Oil Station? And do you know for sure who shot Billy Little? No, 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 and no were Danny's answers to those questions. And the results? No deception indicated. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Mike Bussing is our executive producer, and Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. All music for the show is created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. Our Season 7 logo was created by me, with assistance from Zach Weaver and Shane Yoder. All of our font across all of our logos and banners was created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Natalie Alicia, Pamela Westby, Pam Maples, and Jen Reese in Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to Patreon.com slash TruthAndJustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com, or you can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. And for all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter. The show's handle is at TruthJusticePod, and my personal Twitter handle is at BobRuffTruth. And you can even follow Mike at MBussing89. For more personal interactions, feel free to follow me on Instagram at TruthJusticePod. Don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been truth and justice. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. 
Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.